0: changing things up just a little bit this morning. We uh, we decided we're just already stirred, amen? How many of you came stirred? If you're not stirred, then you can be stirred, amen? The scripture tells us for us to do what? To stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of us. You know, a lot of times we, because we live in a body and have a body, then we like emotional feelings and things, and we think we've got to have, a, you know, some wild... Music or whatever to get us going, but how many of you know we can encourage ourselves? We can get happy, we can thank ourselves happy, glory to God, and get excited about the things of God. We're gonna get into the word today. I've got some things prepared that I'm excited about. It's uh, I tell you, God is good and He's good all the time, amen. And He's got good plans for us. You know that God's called you to a hope in a future. You know, sometimes we live in a world where there's cares and situations that come and problems and things that just you know, if you turn on the news for more than 30 seconds, you're going to see, I mean, it just um, bombarding us all the time with this, you know, just negativity and things that may be really happening, but we're not, you know, we're not, we, we're in the world, but we're not of it. Amen. We don't have to live according to, to, to the dictates of the world, right? Our joy is found in who? It's found in Jesus. Amen. So we don't have to allow the news to control whether we're happy. We don't have to allow our circumstances to control whether we're walking in joy or not or in peace. Amen. It comes from in here for the kingdom of God is where it's in us. But are we living out of that kingdom? Amen? Well, let's pray just a minute before we open the Word and prepare our hearts. Father, we thank you today for your goodness, for your grace, and for your mercy. Father, we thank you for the great love that you sent to us in Jesus. Glory to God. We thank you, Father, for for the Word. He is the Word. And we thank you today as we open the Word and begin to read your Word and study your Word and, and meditate on your Word. Father, that revelation comes, that we see clearly, Father God, the plan that you have for our lives, for our marriages, for our homes. And I thank you, Father God, that you've called us to be an influence in this world. You've called us to be kingdom influencers, Father, and as we take our place and we see ourselves for what you've made us to be, if we see ourselves and see who lives on the inside of us, Father, I thank you that we'll take that place, we'll change the world and the circumstances around us, Father, and influence others for your kingdom. So we thank you today that we go to a higher place. We thank you, Father God, that we see and we know by the Spirit of God that the Holy Spirit is the teacher and we yield ourselves to him today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Are the children already dismissed? I forgot about that. They're gone. Amen. Well, if you got your Bibles with you, let's go ahead and open them today to the book of Genesis. Amen. We're going to start in the beginning. Start in Genesis, wind up in Revelation. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. We'll, we'll be out by 3.30. By got some snacks in the back and like a fella told me, he, he grew up in a, a predominantly black church, and he said, you know, he said, we just go to the basement, have a snack. And they keep on preaching. He said, we go down to the basement, have a bologna sandwich, come back up, and, and the preacher's still be preaching. He said, we go two or three in the afternoon. Amen. So we got some snacks in the back. If you don't like bologna, we got some ham and turkey. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Amen. No, actually, I'm going to open a subject today. You may have an opportunity at a later point to continue with it, but uh, we're going to get accomplish what we can today. But uh, we're going to discuss marriage. Amen. It's God's institution. It's something that he put and established in the beginning. He put, we know we make jokes about this, as we, you know, about Adam and Eve. It's not Adam and Steve. Amen. <laughs> you know, the, world, the world's got some crazy ideas. I was in the, in the courthouse this week in Clanton and uh, getting some license, and things done, and walked up to the, to the front there at the probate's office. We got a new probate judge in the county. Looked a little different not to see the regular one there. I've seen him so many years and a different fellow walked out, and I know him. And uh, anyway, they got a big uh, sign up there at the front that says there will be no more marriage ceremonies, ceremonies performed at the Chilton County Courthouse as of such and such. Well, it's because he took a stand and he refuses to do certain marriage uh, ceremonies. He had to do a few of them, but then they gave him the right to, to where he could choose, and he chose not to do them, amen? Because we stand on the Word. We believe what the Word of God says. Amen. We have a foundation that we live by. Thank God we have a foundation. You know, I'd hate to live in this world and we not know what the foundation of what we believe and what we have in our rights and privileges. Amen. When something happens, our house is built upon a rock. Amen. And storms will come and, and the winds will blow and we may have situations and trials and circumstances come against us. But when, we're, when our life is built upon the rock of Christ Jesus, then we can get happy. We can celebrate in the midst of the storm. As pastor, I believe he mentioned it last week, that our problem, our situation needs to hear the, the answer declared in the middle of it. Yeah, we need to start declaring the answer before the answer is seen or known or before the end gets here. Right. Why? Because we got the victory now. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So we're, we're going to open up some things concerning marriage, and, and it's God ordained, it's the first team that God ever put together. Amen. He, he, he created man, and he knew that man needed a whole lot of help. <laughs> he said, it's not good he be alone. I see right now he's going to need a lot of help. So he, so he created a woman. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's read this in Genesis chapter 2. And uh, then we're going to turn over our, our foundational scriptures. is going to be Genesis chapter 2, and then we're going to go over to Ephesians chapter 5. But right now, Genesis chapter 2, let's look in verse uh, 15. It said, and the Lord God took the man, and he put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it gave us a job to do, amen? He gave us dominion and authority. And even today, we know that, that, that one man got us in a whole lot of trouble, but there's another man that came to get us out, and Jesus is the second Adam. So today, the, 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 the place that we are today, we're in God's kingdom. We've been redeemed and set back to a place to where we're in union with Christ. Amen. Complete fellowship and harmony with Christ. And, and, and they had complete fellowship and harmony with God here, right? And he gave him a job to do, and it was to have dominion. Well, he's given us the same job today is to have dominion. Amen. But I want you to notice right after he gave man dominion and put him in the garden, and he called one alongside with him. Amen. So today in the kingdom that we live in and walk in, it's vitally important to the husband and wife that we walk in unity. Amen. Because he's given us dominion and authority. And he's given us that for a reason and a purpose for us to be an influence in the kingdom. Amen. As a unit, as a team, we're to have influence. People in the world should look at us and say, what's different about them? I want what they have. Why, why, why do they seem to, to, you know, walk in the blessing of the Lord? I don't mean we don't have problems. That doesn't mean we don't have situations. But we know what, what the foundation is. That's the difference. We know when the storms come, situations come, it's not going you know, it, to, it you know, it may knock us off our feet for a moment. We're going to get right back up. Glory to God. We're going to get right back up. We're going to keep moving forward because we know what the answer is. Amen? Hallelujah. So again, verse uh, 15, it said, The Lord God took the man, and he put him into the garden of Eden to dress it to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thou, eatest thou thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. Amplified says, the Lord God said it's not good or sufficient or satisfactory that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper, meet, suitable, adapted, complimentary. Amen. Complimentary. See, we're to complement one another, not work against one another, but complement one another. We're a team. We're in unity. We're one. We're going to see that here in just a minute. So he said, I'll make him a helper that that will... Uh, uh, "...make him a helpmeet for him, and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all of the cattle." It goes through what he said. Then it said, there was, "...there was not found any helpmeet for Adam. Nothing was sufficient." Amen. God saw that. It says, "...nothing sufficient." And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord had taken from man made he woman, and God brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be... One flesh. Did you hear that? Said he will leave his they will leave their father and mother, and they will become one flesh. That means they become one. Amen. Now we know we've heard in the past that 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 God took the rib, caused him to go to sleep, took the rib out. Then he then he formed woman. Adam looked at her and he said, Whoa, he said, Whoa man, you know, whoa man. (laughs) He said, Whoa, look at what God's created. Amen. Because he created something that was that was pleasant to, to look at to Adam. It was his helpmate. Glory to God. But I want you to notice here, this was the original team that God made. Amen. And he formed it for a reason, so they could complement one another. That she could be a helpmate unto him. And, and we know we use this in wedding ceremonies that, that she took, he, God took the rib from the side, not from under the foot. So that she could be dominated, but he took it out of the side so she could walk arm in arm, hand in hand together. Amen. Glory to God. Together. In unity because we're a team. Everybody said we're a team. we're a team. Lord to God. How many of you know teams have to work together? Yeah, I, know. I know a little league, we were talking about this this morning, little league basketball and you know sometimes they don't know which end of the court to go to. The one shoots the ball and they get the rebound and they, we were one the other day, to shot it back up made a team, a basket for the other team or the whole team's gone to the other end and uh, you know one kid's down by himself and he's kind of just standing around looking what happened. You know they don't know. So they have to work together. Amen. And that's what we're doing is in our marriage. We work together to fulfill the plan and purpose that God has on our life. Now, go over to Ephesians chapter 5 real quickly. These are our two foundational scriptures, and then we're going to move along. Ephesians chapter 5. Hallelujah. How many of you know that, that marriage is a blessing? <laughs> Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 5. See, in marriage, we either prepare to succeed. See, we have to, we have to prepare to succeed. We have to invest. Amen. It's just like in the business world. You plan to succeed, and if you don't, you're going to what? You're going to fail. You either plan to fail or you fail to plan. If you fail to plan, you're going to what? Fail. So we have to plan. We have to be willing to invest. You know, a lot of times, you know, if we turn in this morning and say, oh, glory to God, we're going to teach prosperity this morning, and man, we're going to get, you know, we're going to believe God for a new dining room set. And we're going to get a, you know, believe God for a new Lexus or whatever it is. See, the, the body of Christ likes to get excited about that. But when we talk about a subject concerning marriage, sometimes it may not seem that exciting initially. But see, what we, what we have to realize is God's ordained plan on the earth for us to walk in. Amen. To fulfill the blessing of God that he has upon our life so we can get excited about it. Glory to God. The worldly myth is this, you know. The people in the world, they look at, at married couples and they say, well, either they have it or they don't. You know, they just look at them and say, man, that couple's got it, you know, in the world. They say, why, why are they always happy and why do they not ever argue? They, they just have it. Well, that's, that's just a myth. They don't have it. And not only that, you don't go home with them. <laughs> they may look like they've got it on the outside, but go home with them for a few days. They may be some frying pan flying, a couple, you know, <laughs> you know, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. It may look like they have it on the outside, but go home with them. You'll see the truth. True color flying amen so it's not about a it, but it's about are we willing to invest? are we willing to put in just like a vehicle if we don't have maintenance on a vehicle, Bill's not here here today, but uh, you know we I always use that example with him about the sludge you know with, with, if you don't change your oil in a car, it's going to get gunked up, the motor's going to get gunked up and sludge will form and that engine will lock. amen. so we can't just ride on fumes in our marriage. We can't just think, well you know because we've been together for you know you may be here today, so well, I've been married 30, 40 years. And, you know, I don't need, even really need to hear that. Well, we can't ride on the fumes of yesterday. What are we doing today? You know, love is a verb. Love is an action. Love, love can't be stored. You know, we don't have a bank account down at people's bank and say, well, you know, we can go down and draw out, you know, $1,000 worth of love today. No, it doesn't work that way. It's what are we doing today? You know, old song said, what have you done for me lately? You know, amen. So what are we doing today? What are we walking in today? So we have to prepare to succeed. Amen. Not just what happens, but what are we going to plan to happen? If we fail to prepare, then we prepare to fail. And I remember this in, uh, in, in school, of the Bible, when we were back at Ramah years and years ago. I was 17. My wife was 18. We had an anniversary a few days ago. We've been married 27 years. Amen. So that's a few years. You say, well, you're still young. I may be, but I've been married 27 years. and We've had a little bit of experience over 27, a little bit over 27 years. But I remember our school, the Bible teacher, he told us, he said, every day that I go home, before I get home, he said, I prepare my heart. Every day. He said, no matter if I've been, you know, had a long day, good day, bad day, difficult day, whatever. He said, I, I begin to pr- prepare my heart before the Lord so that when I get home, I'm ready to, to minister to my wife, to my children, and my attitude and my heart set. So when I get there, I'm ready. Amen. You know, but if we go home and, and we carry the cares of the day and maybe the, the challenges we've had dealing with a customer, you know, a lot of you work in, in, in business where you deal with customers and you get home at the end of the day and you think, man, you know, and you just take that attitude and that same frustration in, what's going to happen? We're going to take it out on the ones we love the most. Why? Because subconsciously we believe we can get away with it. Because we wouldn't. sometimes we wouldn't even talk to our spouse the way we do somebody on the... I mean, we wouldn't talk to someone on the street the way we have to our spouses at times. And that's, that's not right. Amen. We're to honor them, honor one another. So we can't take that attitude into the home but we can prepare ourselves. We can get ready. Glory to God. So when we come in, and we're ready for whatever comes. They may have an attitude. <laughs> are you prepared for that? Yeah. You know, maybe the wife that's had three or four kids all day, come home from school and getting homework ready and trying to make a meal and clothes piled up and telephone ringings. and maybe a creditor's called and you, you, you see what I'm saying? So are we prepared to, to, to be there and, and to encourage them? See, we encourage one another. We're a team. Amen. One needs encouragement. The other one's there. The other one needs encouragement. Then we're there to work together and to help one another. Amen. Because we're heirs. I'm getting ahead of myself. But we know the scripture also tells us that we're heirs together of the grace of life. Amen. Together, not apart. Together. See, the divorce rate in the church is just as high as it is in the world. Sometimes, it, it, you know, some statistics say it's even higher. And that's 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 an attack of the enemy. See, uh, for a strong local church and a strong body of believers, we have to stay together. Amen. We have to work together, not just stay together, but work together. Yes. See, it's one thing for a team to be together, just be a team. Anybody can be a team. We can get together today and say, well, we got such such team formed. And, but, the t- but one that's successful, what do they do? They work together. Yes. They know their parts. Yes. Amen. They know their roles. They work within those roles, and then they have success. Amen. Because one man's not called. One woman's not called. But the husband and wife's called. The family's called. If you have children, they're called with you. Amen. I didn't get too many amens on that. I said amen. If the, if the husband called, the wife's called, and the children are called, the family's called together. Amen. Amen. God instituted marriage where? In the beginning. So in the beginning, when we're called, the wife's called, and the children are called. Amen. Now let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse... Uh, Um, Look at just for for the sake of time right now we're going to go back and look at something before this but let's look at verse 31 uh, now and then we're going to go back and look at some previous verses later Ephesians 5 verse 31 it says for this reason this goes back in reference to Genesis chapter 2 verse 31 says for this reason and amplified for this reason the man shall leave his father and his mother they shall be joined uh, and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh Verse 32, now look at this. It says, the mystery is very great, but I speak concerning the revelation of Christ and the church. See, he's comparing the two together. Just like when we get born again, we become a new, creat- uh, new creature in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. We, be- we come into union with him. I believe it's 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Is that right? I believe it is said that he that's joined to the Lord is what? One, one spirit. When we become joined with our spouse, we become one flesh. We become one together. Amen. So this reference is back to Genesis chapter 2 right here. Uh, So we're a team and we're going to look at some things concerning that. Let's go over to um, 1 Corinthians. Uh, Let's see if I want you to go there. I'll tell you what, go to, uh, yeah, let's go there first. 1 Corinthians 13, you know the chapter. And we're not going. to, I'm, I'm, That's not my text to get into, and to divide. You know, we could take a week and just teach on that particular passage. <laughs> but I, what I want you to do with it, though, is I want you to take that passage in First, that chapter, First Corinthians chapter thirteen, and meditate on it. Put your name in it. Speak the chapter over yourself. See yourself in that. Amen. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to break each verse down, but I do want to read a couple of verse one. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. It means you were just making a lot of noise. <laughs> and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all the knowledge, and though I have all faith, and though I, uh, so that I could remove mountains and I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, And though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. But love suffers long. Amplified version says love endures long. It is patient. It is kind. It never is envious. It never boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. It's not rude or unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love, where? In us does not insist on its own rights or its own way. Uh-oh. That's one of my old oh moments. <laughs> and amplified again. It says God's love in us. How many of you know you have God's love in you? Yes. The love of God's been shed abroad in your heart when you got born again. So when we say, uh, you know, I can't love this person or I can't do that. No, it's not a matter if we can or can't. It's a matter, are we going to choose to? Are we going to yield to what's already on the inside of us? Yeah. Amen. Because the anointing abides within the Holy Spirit, which is the helper, lives in you. And not only that, you've got the grace of God, the ability of God to do for, what you, do for yourselves what you can't do. So we don't have an excuse, right? But are we going to choose to? Do we make the choice? Really what it is, I'm getting ahead of myself, God's just wanting us to come to the end of self. He just wants us to get rid of self and, and, and feelings and what we, our rights and what we desire, just come to the end of that and let him take up the, the rest. Amen? It's his ability. He gave us his faith. He gave us his ability. He is grace. He lives on inside of us. Amen. So God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it's not self-seeking, it's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Boy, I'm I'm getting some amens now. No account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. (laughs) <laughs> no attention, not a little attention, not going to remember it for, you know, 30 minutes. I'm going to hold on to it just for the afternoon a little bit, just so I can, you know, have some leverage. No, it didn't say that. It said, pay what? No attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice in injustice or unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. It hopes are faithless. Under all circumstances, it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades out. Did y'all hear me this morning? Love never fails. If you want to know how to walk in success and victory, you walk in love. It never fails. Amen. He said it just doesn't seem to work. It just doesn't seem to work out. You know, I've read some books here and there, and I've done this and that, and we tried, but it just doesn't seem like it's working. Well, are are you walking in love? Because it says right here in scripture, and I think God said what he meant, meant what he said. He said, love never fails. God's love, not feelings, not what we think, not our rights and privileges, but God's love. When we pay no attention to a suffered wrong, amen. Hallelujah. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or, or comes to an end. Prophecy will fail. The gift of interpretation talks about that Alpha Amplified, uh, uh gift of interpreta- interpreting the divine will and purpose. It will be fulfilled and pass away. Tongues will pass away. But love will never fail. Glory to God. Now, I've got a few uh, quotes here I want to read to you. Kind of lighting up. I, I-, I had to put in, it's like feeding a baby. You know, you kind of put in some greens or some, what was those things we used to feed them? Strained peas? It was just nasty green. Is that what it was? Strained peas? the baby food, spinach, whatever. We played a game in youth one time with, uh, when Philip Scott was in youth and uh, put a trash bag over him like a, a baby bib or whatever and had Philip Jones was in there too. And they had to feed each other the, those strained peas with a spoon, you know, doing a little race. And I think one of them didn't keep him down too good. But see, that's, that's some, you know, but, but, but with a child, those things are necessary to get the, the nourishments in. Amen. So I kind of put that in, in the beginning. Now we're going to kind of lighten it up just a little bit. I've got a few quotes I want to give here to you. Uh, concerning marriage. Let me ask you a question. (laughs) This is a question I'm going to give you the answer. I'm not going to wait and let you answer. I'm just going to give you the answer. It says, if love is grand, then what is divorce? It's at least a hundred grand or more. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. On the first night of the honeymoon, I I, I think Pastor told this a long time ago, but it's so good I'm going to tell it again. On the first night of the honeymoon, the husband isn't sure how to tell his bride about his stinky feet and smelly socks. While the wife is wondering how to break the news about her awful breath, which so far she's been able to cover up. After some soul searching, the husband gathers his nerve and he says, I have a confession to make. She draws closer, peers into his eyes, and she says, darling, so do I. He kind of recalled, jumped back a little bit, and he said, don't tell me, you've eaten my socks. <laughs> Amen. This other couple said, after finishing the Chinese food, my husband cracked open his fortune cookie. My husband and I cracked open our fortune cookies. Mine read, be quiet for a little while. His read, talk while you have a chance. <laughs> Amen. Another fellow said, my son wanted to know what it's like to be married. He said, I told him, leave me alone. And when he did, I asked, why you ignored me? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Mm. He said, when I asked a friend the secret of his 52 years of marriage, he replied, we never go to sleep angry. He said, that's a great philosophy, I noticed. And the man said, yes. And the longest that we've been, a, been awake as, so far as five days. <laughs> Amen. And I'm going to finish up with this one. They've been awake for five days. Hallelujah. I don't think we've made it that far. Maybe a night, but never, never five days. Hallelujah said an elderly couple had been shopping at the grocery store, and all of a sudden the wife got this little wild hair to, to steal something. She just wanted to be wanted what it was like to, to take something. So she decided to steal a can of peaches. So she took a can of peaches, but the inevitable happened. She was caught. Upon a court date, the judge asked her what she had stolen. She stood up before the judge and she said, Your Honor, I've stolen a can of peaches. He said, Okay. How many peaches were in the can, the judge asked. She said, I believe there were six, Your Honor. He said, okay, I'm going to give you six days in jail. All of a sudden, her husband jumped up behind her. He said, Your Honor, Your Honor. He said, she also stole a can of peas. (laughs) 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 Amen. Hallelujah. So he wanted a break, didn't he? Amen. He's looking for a break. A few more days. Amen. Hallelujah. So we mentioned this uh, in this chapter right here in 1 Corinthians 13, to meditate on it for 30 days. Put your name in there. Amen. Amen. See yourself in there. And and realize this, that we don't do that in our strength and ability. Our strength and ability will run out. Human ability runs out. But God's waiting on that. When we taught the series on uh, helping others overcome addiction, God is is waiting for a person to come to the end of their self. Well, that's not just related to addiction. That's related to everyday Christian life. God wants us to live out of his ability. We're not even designed to be a Christian in our strength. We can't. He wants us to do it in his ability. Amen. So we can walk that, that chapter out. Amen. So love can't be stored up in reserve. Can't be put in a, in a bank account. Memories can. We can have memories, right? We can remember good times. And, but how many of you know those memories and those good times don't translate into today? When you woke up this morning, did that memory you had, you know, on your honeymoon, did that memory come back this morning and just brighten everything up? It was just rosy. Man, you just... Was it, or did you have maybe some opportunity to be offended? Did those memories come in there and take care of all that? No. It's not the memories. Memories are great. But it's the love that we have living in us that's active, that we're walking out and allowing to live and, and operate through us. Amen. That, that empowers us and strengthens us to be a team. And there's anointing to do that. And we're called to do that. And there's a purpose and a plan. And uh, we probably won't have time to get into it today, but God has ordained us as couples, as, as married Couples to influence this earth. He's called us and he has a destiny for us and he has a purpose for you being here. Amen. And it can only be fulfilled as you function together as a team, as a unit. Amen. So love can't be stored. I was listening to a uh, financial guru this, this week on some things he was talking about different uh, banking and principles in the financial world. And uh, I don't know if some of you is familiar with investing things. You probably know what I'm talking about, but he, he brought up a term I'd never heard of before. It's called fractional, uh, fractional reserve banking. Have you ever heard of that, Mr. Tadlock? Fractional reserve banking. i never heard of it. I thought, well, what in the world is fractional reserve banking? So I, you know, I started listening to it, and what he was talking about is how the, 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 uh, years and years ago when money was first made, money was printed, and money was a title. Money was just like you own a vehicle. Money, the, you have a title to the vehicle if you paid for it, they give you the title, right? right? Well, that title, what? It gives you the right and the privilege of driving that vehicle. It belongs to you. If I came up to Ralph and I said, Ralph, uh, I'm on, I, I, I believe that truck belongs to me. And Ralph said, no, I got the title. It's got my name on it. See, it gives you the right to what? To have the truck. Right. Nobody can come take it if you got the title. Well, what money was, is money was a title to something that was in reserve. They had something backing it up, and it's called gold or silver. There was a reserve they used to. When this country was founded, then they had the, they had the gold. The Federal Reserve was started. They had gold to back it up, and now that's not the case. Now they do what's called fractional reserve banking to where they can loan up to 10 times what is actually backing the money that they loan. When they they give you money for a house, they give you a mortgage on the house. Levi's been in the mortgage business before. What this fellow was saying, he said they can loan basically up to 10 times what they really have to back up the cost of that home. An example he used was this. He said, let's say that there's a wife that doesn't want his husband to get a motorcycle. (laughs) She said, No, you don't, you don't need a motorcycle. I don't want you to get one. So he finds him somebody, he looks in the bulletin board, mule trader, whatever finds one. He calls the guy and he said, Listen, I want your motorcycle, but there's a problem I've got. My wife won't let me won't let me have one. So uh, they come up with a plan. He said, i tell you what. He said, uh, I'll sell it to you. You can pay me. He said, but, I, but 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 the man that was buying it, he said, but I need you to do something for me. He said, I needed you to keep it at your house. And he said, on every Wednesday, I'm gonna come to your house, and every Wednesday I'm gonna ride it and have a good time, and I'm gonna bring it back to your garage and put it back. My wife will never know. She'll never know I've got it. So he said, well, he said, let me think about it. So he thought about it, calling back and said, okay, you got a deal. So he came over on Wednesday, rode the motorcycle, brought it back in, put it in the garage, left. Everything's fine. Well, the old boy was sitting there one day and he walked out in his garage and he said, well, it's always been my motorcycle. I, I enjoyed riding it. And it's a pretty day outside. I believe I'm going to ride it. He won't be back till Wednesday. I believe I'm going to ride it. So he gets on it, takes it for a spin on Thursday, rides it around, brings it back. Well, then he got to thinking. He said, you know, if I made money off this one fella, he said, I'm going to run me an ad. So he run an ad in the paper. He said, motorcycle for sale. I only can ride it on Fridays. <laughs> so he gets a call, wants to know what all this is about. So he made him a deal. Well, see, he sold it to several different people. They had to come at different days to ride it. Nobody knew what was going on. Well, see, that's what the Federal Reserve System, the banking industry has done with money. It's not really backed up with anything. And they can loan up to 10 times what's really there. Well, see, we can't allow the same principles that to take place in our marriage. It's not about what we've done in the past. You see where I'm coming at? It's not about the memories that we've had right. of yesteryear and what was good yesteryear, but what are we doing today? What are we invested in today? What are we invested in this week or this month? Are we set inside a time? You say, well, I don't have the resources to do that. Well, what about taking a walk in the park? Right. Mm-hmm. Amen. What about letting the kids go to sleep and then taking 30, 45 minutes, an hour while they're asleep and just talking about things? John, Mac- John Maxwell says he does this. He puts a card in his pocket. And all throughout his day, he writes down important things that happens. Things that he'd want to talk to his wife about. He'd write, he, he, she said, I'd like to share that with his, I believe her name's Shirley. So I'd like to share that with Shirley when I get home. So he'd get his card out and he'd write it down. Something else that happened during the day so I like to share that with her. He'd get it out and write it down. Well, by the time he got home, he'd have 10 or 15 things that he wanted to talk to Shirley about when he got there. But most of the time we get home, we're tired. We're, you know, we were ready to sit down and relax at the end of the day. Well, how's your day? <sighs> it, it was good. It was good. You know, we're ready to rest. Well, what you gonna talk about? Well, you know, it, it was what happened. Well, you know, it was, it was all right. You know, we don't, it seemed like we don't have anything. You know, it's easier for a woman to talk sometimes than a man. We don't really have anything to talk about. But how many know we can change that? Oh, yeah. Just simple little principles like that, but are we willing to invest? Do y'all hear me today? Yeah. Amen. Amen. I believe the Lord put this on my heart for a reason. It's not something, you know, we just came to gather together to talk about. But the enemy is after marriages. He is after marriages because he can't stand unity. It's the same tactic that he's used in the beginning, and he's still using it today. He's trying to divide and conquer. Same way with anybody, believers, the same way with a family, same way with a marriage unit. He wants to come in, if he can divide, he can conquer. And there's a strategy behind that. Amen. There's military strategies behind that. They come in and they, they find the individual sectors and they begin uh, 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 working against one and against one, then they try to turn the sectors against each other on the inside, get them divided, and then they're weaker. See, that's the way the enemy operates, and it comes subtly. And we have to call his bluff. Amen. Amen. Have to call his bluff. Uh, He has no right, no authority in our life unless we give it to him. And we can call his bluff. We can run him out. James, we know what the book of James says. If we submit ourselves to God, Resist the devil. The amplifier says he'll do what? He'll flee as in terror. But we got to call his bluff. We can't allow strife to come in. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we can't allow, we don't even have, we can't afford one, one minute of strife. Get it out. Get it out. It made me think when I was talking about fractional reserve banking, it made me think about exercise. You know, uh, Ralph's done an a, a awesome job and some things along the area of exercise and, and weightlifting and preparing and doing some things. Well, he knows this, that you can't, Base what you did last year off of a a competition you have coming up, right? Actually, today is a Mercedes Marathon, 26.2 miles. I've ran five of them, and uh, I didn't I didn't run this year. Why? Because I'm not ready to run this year. Because I can't take what I did on the last five of them and go up there today and say, "Well, I'm going to do what I did on the last five today." Because I about to about my I can make it about nine, ten miles, but about mile number ten. Somebody's going to come with a stretcher and have to pick me up (laughs) because that's about all all I can make. See, so it's not it's, you know, today I'm not benefited. I looked at my fitness pal app on my phone and since 2012, I ran four thousand five hundred miles. And I lost 80, about 89 pounds. I've gained 40 of it back. So I got a decision to make, right? right? But even even within that. It was the grace of God and the ability of God that helped me do what I did. I didn't do it through willpower. Right. I never thought I'd run, you know, if somebody, you hear the jokes all the time, why do you run? Somebody chased me? You know, the only reason I'm going to run somebody chased me to, you know, chase me with a gun. You know, and they got the stickers on the back, 0.0 on the cars or whatever, because they don't understand it. But it's just something that I started to do and enjoyed it, and it helped me in the process of, of getting physically fit. But see, it's not about what we've done in the past. It's not about something we have in reserve. But it's about an active love and doing, being a doer of the Word of God today. Investing in our marriages today. Amen. Get a calendar out and set a date. You say, well, I, like I said, I don't have the finances to do that. Get a calendar out and set a date. We're going to go to the park. We're going to walk around the, the block. We're going to take 30 minutes in the hour this week and just talk. Just sit there and look at each other. And it may be awkward in the beginning, <laughs> but do something like John Maxwell said. You got a list. The things that happen today, you got something to talk about. Just sometimes our wife just wants us to listen. Most of the time, that's what it is. They say, well, you don't, you don't listen to me. Oh, yes, I do. I was listening. And a husband can do this. I can do the same thing. I've got a, I can listen to something, a tape or whatever. I can almost tell you word for word what they said from the tape. And sometimes my wife will say something to me, and it's my, my fault. I shouldn't do it. I'm telling it myself, but I may be busy doing something with my hands or something else going around I'm doing, and she's talking. And she said, you're not listening to me. I said, yes, I am. No, you're not. I said, I am listening. You told me to do this, 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 and this. And then this person did that. And on this day, and that, this was a color of that, whatever. And she just, <sighs> you know, she, <laughs> but, but really, was I listening? I heard it with my ear, but I wasn't listening with my heart. And there's a difference. So I wasn't stopping what I was doing. I wasn't showing her honor and respect. As the scripture tells us, to honor the wife as into the weaker vessel. Not, not weaker in spirit, not weaker in, in importance, but it's really talking about physical strength. That they're, they're the weaker vessel, but they're you know they're just as strong spiritually. Yes, they are. Amen. It, it doesn't have anything to do with the spirit; it's talking about the physical side of it. But they're the weaker vessel that we're to give honor and respect unto. Amen. So it's it's a choice, deliberate effort, deliberate choice that we need to make. Amen. What do we do to to, to win the person's heart? What do we do? What do we do to win our spouse's heart? You know, it's the old joke about you know. You know, did anything change? And I told you I loved you when I met you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. If that love changes, I'll let you know that it changed. But until then, I love you. Well, no, no, that, that, that doesn't work. Uh-huh. Amen. So what do we do to win the person? And what are we doing to keep them? Now, I'm not talking about being motivated by fear. See, we're not, we're not talking about fear. Perfect love does what? Cast out fear. So I'm not talking about being motivated by fear. You know, the world does that. The world, you know, the world's trying to keep up with with everybody else and do I have the nicest this and the nicest car and the biggest home and the, and the boat and all these things? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being motivated motivated by fear of. If, am I doing everything right? See, they, what are you doing? You're putting yourself back under the law. Am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Am I am I am I, am I making enough money? Am I am I are they driving the right kind of car? Are they are they have the right kind of clothes they need? Or this? No, see. All of that will come. See, the Bible says that in Matthew 6 says God knows that we have need of all those things. Amen. That's part of the kingdom. But when we do what? When we honor the kingdom and put the kingdom first, then all those things will what? Be added. All those things will be added. Well, part of the kingdom is this relationship that we're talking about right here. Part of the kingdom back from the beginning was what? One man, one woman coming together, becoming one flesh to have dominion and and rule and authority. Amen. Those things will be added. But what I'm talking about is the time that we invested, the talks that we had, the walks that we took. Amen. You know, you'd ride down the road, you couldn't, even pry, you couldn't even pry yourself off of each other. Riding down the road in a pickup truck, you see two kids jammed up beside each other, you had to get a crowbar to open them up to get them out between each other. Now you ride beside each other and say, get off of me, I'm hot. I'm sweaty, you're sticking <laughs> to me. Get off of me, watching a movie. He said, look, I, I'm, I'm hot. Can't you sit over in the recliner? I'm hot. You know, turn on the air. Something. You see, the, you see what I'm talking about? And that's life. I know it's not, it's not supposed to be the same, but it can get better. Amen? It can even be better than that because most of that's just feelings anyway. That's not real love. That's just feelings. Amen. <laughs> I'm hot. Get away from me. <laughs> oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, uh, hmm. But we can do things purposely, on purpose, the same things we did in the beginning to invest to win that person's heart, we can do the same thing to keep that person's heart. Because if we don't, there's somebody else out there that the devil will see to it, he'll send a person alone to begin to listen. He'll send a person alone to begin to make them feel special. I told my wife when she goes to Win dixie I want you to wear the oldest jeans, the raddest looking shirt. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just playing. She's had this deal to wear... Uh, she takes her wedding ring off from time to time. She'll leave it in the bathroom. She's got a place she puts it there, and she'll forget it once in a while and go to Win dixie She said, don't nobody ever talk to her and ask her how she's doing that day if she's got a ring on, but a couple times she's had it off, they've asked her. I said, well, all that means is that you just don't ever forget that ring. Put that ring on when you go to Win dixie <laughs> Amen. If you need some help and reminder, I'll, I'll help remind you. Amen. Hallelujah. But many times what it is, we have an entitlement mentality. An entitlement mentality, what I call me What about me? What about my rights? What about my feelings? What about my dreams? But see, if we'll focus on the other person, if we'll focus on God's plan, if we'll focus on God's word, the way he set things up and aligned things, and all that will come in order. Now, there's three characteristics of, uh, uh, well, let me read this definition first. The definition of entitlement or entitlement mentality is this. It's a state of mind in which an individual comes to believe that privileges are instead rights. I'm going to read that again. It's a state of mind that we have where we think that an individual comes to believe that privileges are instead rights. Instead of it being a privilege that we have a spouse or a privilege that they do things for us, a privilege that they wash clothes and they iron and do things and help us or... or or, or take the kids to school, whatever it may be, instead of it being a privilege, we begin to think that it's just a right. Well, they're, you know, they're supposed to do that. They're supposed to treat me this way. They're supposed to act like this because they're my wife. Well, instead of it being a, uh, being a privilege that we have those things, we say, well, that's my right. And then they're, they, they after they get that mentality, said so then they're to be expected as a matter of course. Did you get that? It's to be expected as a matter of course. In other words, just by living life because this is the arrangement, the situation, just a matter of course, it ought to happen. Because I'm entitled to it. Well, see, that's my rights, my privileges, my way, the way I want it. See, me, 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 me. That's not God's way. How many know Jesus gave all? How you know in Ephesians chapter 2, it said when we were living according to the course of this world, we had no desire to follow God, to know anything about him. He said he gave everything. He sent Jesus. But God, who is rich in mercy, with the great love that he loved us, he gave everything. Amen. Well, we were dead wrong. Well, we didn't even have any desire to do that. So what do we do? We love our spouse. We love our mate the way Jesus loved us when we were dead wrong. When they're dead wrong, we love them anyway. Amen. It's not about me. It's not about my rights, my feelings, my dreams, my my privileges. Amen. Hallelujah. So there's three characteristics. Hmm of people that, that, that have this mentality. The first one is a lack of appreciation for the sacrifice of others. Somebody entitled, they don't have appreciation for somebody else that's made a sacrifice. You ever, you, you ever been in a situation like that? You did something nice for somebody and then there was no thank you. I remember one time I did something for somebody, took about three quarters of a day to do it, spent money to do it, made arrangements and got other people to help do it, to move, actually I'll just say it was to move somebody. Got through with it, not one dime of gas money offered. They went into the gas station, bought two drinks and a candy bar for them. Didn't even offer us any. No, gas. And then we got through, didn't even say thank you and appreciate your time. We got the trucks and the trailers and the manpower to help do it. But see, that's an entitlement mentality. They don't appreciate the sacrifices of others. Second characteristics is a lack of personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. See, we have to take responsibility for what we do. Not about because of what my spouse did or didn't do, but what about us? What's my responsibility? Maybe they didn't treat us right. Maybe they didn't talk nice to us this morning. Maybe they didn't have that shirt iron that you know you was going to need to to go to that meeting. Or maybe they didn't have the the meal cooked that you want or whatever. But see, we have to take personal responsibility to act like Jesus and walk in the love that Jesus is shed abroad in our heart. Do you hear me today? That makes me think about, pastor will remember this story, and it's, it's the best I can give to relate to this. Uh, but there's a fellow by the name of Charlie Tremendous Jones, just an awesome communicator. And he tells a story one day about these two hard, he called them hard hats. These two hard hats was at work. So they was out there on the construction site, you know, and they was, man, they was tired, been working all morning, got there at the crack of dawn. They was tired, been working, They was ready to eat lunch. So they go over there and they get the lunch boxes, set down on, you know, on the job site to eat, and they open it up and they open the lids. they're pulling stuff out, you know, and one guy's getting his stuff arranged and getting his drink ready to eat, uh, ready to drink. And the other guy gets his lunch box, opens it up, and looks down in the lunch box and he says, Oh, no. The guy said, What is it? He said, There's peanut butter sandwiches. And the guy looked at him and he said, Well, what's wrong with that? He said, Well, there's peanut butter sandwiches and peanut butter sandwiches and peanut butter sandwiches. Every day, It's peanut butter sandwiches. And the guy's like, well, what's the deal with peanut butter sandwiches? He said, I'm tired of peanut butter sandwiches. He said, well, why don't you just tell your wife to pack you something else? And the guy turned around and looked at him. He walked up here, and he said, let me tell you something. I pack my own lunch. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, I pack my own lunch, buddy. He said, you leave me alone. Well, see, that's a fella that does what? He's got a lack of personal responsibility. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. He said, buddy, I pack my own lunch. You leave, you leave my wife out of this. I packed my own lunch. Amen. <laughs> Third characteristics of an entitlement mentality is this. It's an apparent inability to accept the fact that actions carry consequences. See, people that, are, uh, that have an entitlement mentality, they don't, they don't seem to have the ability to accept that, that when I do this action, it's going to carry a consequence. So we have to realize that if, we, if I do this, then it could have this consequence. If I say this, <laughs> then this consequence could be, and if, after I say this, you know, words are powerful. Very powerful. God created the world with his words. Yeah. Amen. We frame our world with our words. So they're very, very powerful. And we need to think about and use them wisely. Yeah. But they have the inability to accept the fact that when I do this action, this action is going to carry consequences. So when the clothes... You know, we, we just can't take it for granted that, that, that they're going to pick up, you know, our wives are going to pick up our clothes. That they're going to do all the washing and the cleaning. And, and the thing of it is, we can help one another. We, you know, there's different roles and different agreements in every household. But what agreement do you have? We, we, were at a, we bought some furniture the other day when we was at a home. And, and this one particular couple, their kids are up and moved and gone. And it's just the two of them now. And they were laughing about it because they said, used to, she did all the cooking and cleaning. Pretty much. And said now the kids are out and gone. And he said, I don't know what happens. Kind of reverse some. She's got a, a different job as well. She's working more. And he said, now nah, I do most of the cooking clean, but they were good with it. They was happy with it. Well, what works for you? The, the main thing is, is this is work together. Amen. Compliment one another. There's different roles. Show appreciation. The, the, the bottom line is this show appreciation for what's done. Amen. Don't take it for granted. Help when you can work together as a team. Put a plan together, work together. And the most important thing is this, is we don't have to be right. (laughs) We don't have to be right. I'm getting a lot of, I'm touching a lot of hot buttons today. (laughs) Amen. We don't have to be right. No, we want to be right, and our flesh always wants to be right, but we don't have to be. I got in the most trouble I ever got into in elementary school because I had to be right. I'm talking about, I wouldn't have got in that ounce of trouble. It would have been over the minute that it happened if I would just kept my mouth shut. But I had to be right. I had to be right. We were in the lunchroom and, and kids were around the table and they kept getting as big, they all the kids on my table would get a big water straws every day and bring them to the lunch table. Big old water straws. And they get to the table and they shoot spitballs with them and, and throw them at people and do things, you know. And the teacher warned us, they said, I, she said, I know what's happening. And if y'all get in, if y'all do that again tomorrow, you all all of you gonna pay for it. But what I didn't know in my little elementary mind was that she was mature enough to see who was doing what. You know, she was watching. But sure enough, the next day came. They 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 didn't even listen. They got the water straw. They were spitting spitballs, doing their thing. You know, when we get back to class, she says, she said, okay. She said, today's the day. I gave you a warning. She said, I saw what was going on. And, uh, buddy, I got up and I said, Miss, uh, I believe her name was Miss Harris. I said, Miss Harris, I didn't get any straw. She said, okay, just we're going to take care of it. She said, just sit down. You know, we're going to take care of it. I said, but but, but, but I knew, the thing of it was, I knew Miss Harris and she had a paddle about this long. Oh. And she had already given us a warning. And she didn't mind to use it. Back then, you could hear kids screaming from where our, where our room was. They'd be out in the, You get one lick and you hear, whoo! You know, lick two. Whoo! You know, she'd lift you up off the ground in elementary school. They didn't play. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to get the one, two, three. So I was going to, I was going to prove and demand that I was right. So I told her, I said, Miss Harris, I didn't take any straws. Just sit down. Ms. Harris, I, I, I didn't take any straws. Just sit down. So I went all the way back from the lunchroom to the room. I was right by Miss Harris. Ms. Harris. I hit on the arm. Miss Harris, I didn't take any straws. She said, I said, we'll handle it, Miss Harris, I didn't, I didn't take any straws. I'm telling you, I didn't take any straws. I said, we're going to handle it when we get back. And I handled her all the way back to the room. Well... Come down to it, she 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 tells me, she let's come on, come on with me. We get into the, the teacher's lounge. Whole time. Miss Harris, i I I'm telling you, I didn't take any straws. She said, Bend over, son, we're gonna give you three licks. Wow, wow, wow. She said, now, I know you didn't take any straw, but you wouldn't keep your mouth shut long enough. She said, You're getting a paddling because you wouldn't listen to me and keep your mouth shut. She said, Not because you took the straw, just because you you wouldn't be quiet, and do what I told you to do. Well, see, I had to be right. I had a demand on it that I I knew here that I was. That I was right, I didn't do it. Well, see, sometimes in a a marriage situation, we we really truly believe that we're right. The thing of it is, it doesn't matter if we're right or not. What difference does it make? Is it going to accomplish anything? Does it accomplish anything when we're right? When we prove our point and we keep on and we keep on and it causes strife and it causes division and, and the Bible says within the midst of all that, there's every evil work. And that's the way the enemy comes in. How does he do it? He divides and he conquers. Try to divide and conquer. It may start as something small, it may start as something little, but we can't allow it as poison. We can't allow it to, to be in it. It's witchcraft. We can't allow it in our homes and we can stop it the minute that it tries to start. Amen? So what do we do? We make Jesus right. Make Jesus right. Neither one of us has to be right. We just make Jesus right. Make the Word right. What does the Word say about it? Amen. Make Him right. Glory to God. Make forgiveness right. Man, y'all shout and jump. Don't y'all jump over. Just jump one row at a time. Don't jump two. Off. So we make forgiveness right. Amen. <laughs> you know, we hear this in the world that it's, that it's 50-50. You know, we just got to give 50-50. 50 from her, 50 from him. Then you take it back and say, well, it's 100-100. 100% husband, 100%. We got to give it 100-100-100. But I've even, I, I believe it's even different than that. I believe it's just 100. Just 100 from the from the one that decides to, to act like Jesus. And it doesn't matter what the other half does. It could be 100 from us. We give our 100. So really, it's just 100. It's not about who did what. Because see, that's what the devil always, from the very beginning, the devil always tries to divide and conquer. Always. In the garden, what did he do? He said, did God really say that? Did God really tell you that if you would eat of this tree that you'd surely die? Half God really said that? Then he tried to have he, he, he tried to tempt them to believe that they needed something else to be complete. But see, they were already like God. They were already complete. They were already in a paradise. Everything was already blessed. They didn't need to add anything to it. They didn't need to take anything away. But the enemy... What did he do? He deceived them through deception and he came in trying to do what? Trying to divide and conquer. Trying to get them to believe they needed something else, to add something else to it. Amen. So what do we do? We make Jesus right. We make the word right. We make forgiveness right. And instead of it being 50, 100, 100, we make it 100 and just take the responsibility that I'm going to act like Jesus. Amen. And I'm going to walk in love. But see, the thing of it is, we don't have to do it in our strength. He gave us the strength to do it. We're going to close Right here with this. Go to Philesians. Uh, uh, that's Philippians and Ephesians mixed. <laughs> go to Philippians. See, I told you we were having Revelation today. <laughs> Philippians, chapter six. We got some flea spray. We're gonna put to get the Philippians off of you. So that's biblical fleas. So you gotta. If your dog has Philesians, that means he's holy. <laughs> Amen. So actually, I'm gonna go to Philippians. So you're still wondering is it Ephesians or Philippians? Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 so people have made this statement before they say I just can't I just can't love him anymore I just can't love her anymore I just can't do this or I can't do that or I can't say this or say that and the big one is forgiveness I just can't forgive them for what they did or what they said well, you know, I don't see that in the scripture. In fact, over here in, in Philippians, it says, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, I can do all things. Wait wait a minute. In the Philegian version, it says, uh, I can do all things besides forgive <laughs> when they've done me wrong and talked ugly to me. When they forgot my birthday, when they forgot our anniversary, when they talked ugly and and, and left the clothes all over the bathroom floor, didn't hang the the wet cloth up like it needed to be, left the dirty dish on the counter, left and didn't even tell me bye. Did it say any of that? No, it said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. The Amplified Version says, I have strength for all things in Christ. Now, this is the key right here. We're going to stop today with this. The key is this. It said, who empowers me? See, it's Christ who empowers us. It's when I I lost those 85 pounds, it was Christ that empowered me. And it's a decision we have to make. We have to make a choice. But once we make the choice and the decision and come to the end of ourselves, realize we don't have the strength to do it, then it's Christ, his anointing, his ability comes in and empowers us. In fact, you could read it this way. It says, I have a strength for all things through Christ. We know Christ is who? He's the anointed one. Through Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. Who does what? He empowers me. I'm ready for anything and I'm equal to anything through him who infuses me. Glory to God. Who infuses inner strength unto me. I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Man, if you're sufficient, that means what? You have everything you need. I'm sufficient in his sufficiency, not in yourself. See, if we try to love in our ability, it's going to run out. Fellow, I read a quote the other day when I was studying some things along these lines. He said, you know, he, he said, I think he called them, uh, what do they call They call your fingers, digits sometimes. He said, when these digits are open, you know, I can hit you and it won't really be that bad. He said, but if I put them together... He said, it's got a little bit more force to it. <laughs> so, you know, if somebody uses their digits and they maybe strike you or hit you, see, the flesh wants to do what? Like Matt Gober used to say, he said, I'm going to use the five-fold ministry on them. One, two, three, four, five, and fold them up. You know, the flesh wants to lash out. Like I said, we have right. We, you know, the meitis. what about me? What about my rights? What about my privilege? they did this to me, then I bless God, I ought to have the right to do it to them. See, that's flesh. That's just the, the worldly love, the phileo love. The fleshly type love. Amen. But it's not the God kind of love. So we don't have to do it. We're not under the law. Thank God. It's not about, well, today I'm going to go out and I've got to do this, this, and this. I've got to watch everything I say. No. It's about doing it through his ability. Glory to God. When we yield to that, yield to the anointing. Amen. Come to the end of self, then watch, watch what happens. Glory to God. So it's not a question of can we, but will we choose to. Amen. It's not a question of can you do this, but are we going to choose to? Love is a choice, it's a decision, and it's not a feeling. We've already read this. Philippians 4.13 said, I can do all things through Christ, through the anointed and his anointing, through grace. Grace is an empowerment. Do you hear me today? Grace is an empowerment, not just forgiveness of sins, but it's an empowerment. It's an ability. Yeah. It's not just in my strength or when my willpower runs out, but it's through his strength. Human strength will always run out. Amen. Ephesians 3 and 20 said that what? It says God is able to do what? Exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to what? The power that works where? In our neighbor, in our spouse? No, according to the power that works on, in, on the inside of us, works in us. Hallelujah. So when our power runs out, will power runs out, when I want to, even to want to, sometimes you just don't want to. You ever been there before? Just be honest with yourself. Have you? Uh, there been? I, I've been there before. I just didn't feel like. I just didn't want to. I knew I needed to or should, and that was the right thing to do. But I just didn't want to. Well, when you want to runs out, guess what? The grace of God is there. Amen. Because you called with a purpose, on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose, to rule and reign and to be an influence in the kingdom. And our time's out, so we may have some time later. But uh, got a lot more that we could cover on this. We may be able to later point amen. amen hallelujah so our minds and our body may say i can't don't want to but our spirit man's in union with christ hallelujah amen, amen. so we don't have time to get in there uh, get into the next verse but uh passage but it's Ephesians 5 verse 25 through 21 through 33 you can take notes on that maybe we can uh pick up with that later. I do want to make mention of this real quick. Uh, I was talking a little while ago about the devil's tactics, and we'll get into more of this at some point down the road, but uh, he uses divide and conquer tactics. And uh, this was an awesome quote by, uh, uh, I believe it was John Adams. He says, There is nothing which I dread, and he's talking about the, the foundation of our country. He said, There's nothing which I dread so much as a division of the Republic into two great parties. He said each is arranged under its leader and has concerting measures in opposition to each other. This, and my humble apprehension, is to be dreaded as the greatest political evil under the Constitution. Now why would he say that? Because it's division. It took a group of people, divide them into two parts. They got two leaders. They have different agendas. And now what are they trying to do? Trying to vote and come to an agreement on the betterment of the country but it's two parts. So what? In the very beginning, it was divided. See, the enemy doesn't want us to have two different leaders. He doesn't want us to have two different parts, two different sides, but we work together. (laughs) Amen? In unity, we're called together. We've been brought together. We we leave our father and mother. We cleave together. We become one flesh. And everything that we do, we're called to do it together through the grace and empowerment of Christ. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. Well thank you for listening. Amen, amen and drawing you. You're important to Christ, amen. And your marriage is important. Amen. Hallelujah. We love you. Is anything else, Pastor, you'd like to say?